Jesus, thank you so much for your love and for how bright and shiny your love is, that it shines into our hearts, and Lord, it sets us free from the, the darkest, most horrible um, feelings that we could ever uh, endure. And I pray that you would deliver us, even this morning, from our feelings, and you would show us what our feelings are, and you would remind us of truth. And I pray the truth would set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, after God created uh, the 24 hours of alternating darkness and light, one of the angels asked him and said, well, what are you going to do now? And God said, I think I'm going to call it a day. I thought that was good. I like that one. See, the people of Egypt and Pharaoh, they have rejected the light of God's words, and they have rebelled against God. And so now the light is going to be taken away. The light is going to be taken away. Let's read our text. Exodus chapter 10, we're starting in verse 21. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. And the word felt in the Hebrew means groped or groping or, you know, groping in the darkness. Feeling is all you have is what the idea is. Feeling is all that you have. Uh, so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Three days. Nothing in the Bible is, is unimportant, and that word three days is very important, as we're going to see. Uh, they did not see one another. They couldn't see each other. All the people in Egypt, it was totally dark. And, and nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. So they were, they were isolated, and they were immov immovable. They couldn't change their situation. They couldn't get out of their situation. They were in darkness. Spiritual darkness is spiritual bondage. When he says he brought darkness into this land of Egypt, it, it held them. It held them tight. They're trapped in their homes. They're trapped in their life. They are trapped. They're stuck. No one can help them because nobody can see anything. They can't help each other out. Now, if you're, if you're tracking with me, you may already be starting to apply this to us and our feelings. We, we are in darkness. It's like that time that BK and Nathan fell down the well together. Do you remember that time? Nathan, you said, isn't it dark down here? And BK said, I don't, I don't know. I can't see anything. But then it says, the next verse says, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. 1 John 1.5. We reference this right now because it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. And these people, the people of God, had light in their dwellings because they were abiding with the light. They didn't earn light. They didn't get light because they were better than the Egyptians. 
God loved the Egyptians just as much as he loved his people, but they got light because they were abiding in the light. They were abiding with God. They had agreed, you are, our, you are my God and I will follow you. And that's why they had light in their dwellings. Because Jesus is the light of the world, right? And when, when we're going to see uh, them travel through the, the wilderness and then they're going to build this tabernacle and the tabernacle is actually going to have a source of light called the Shekinah glory of God and it will actually produce light for the children of Israel. And you can fast forward all the way to the end of time where the new temple in New Jerusalem up in heaven and it says that there's going to be no need for light bulbs because Jesus will be the light to all of heaven and every, everyone will be able to see because Jesus is light up in heaven. But he says here he, he uh, makes it dark. God brings darkness. And, and so we're going to look at what does darkness speak to us about in the Bible it's an image of being abandoned by God. Abandoned by God. Like separated from God. If God is light, for you to be in darkness, God has to shove you away from him far enough where you can't be in his light anymore. It's not just an image either. It's, it's also the literal physical description of being judged or rejected or abandoned by God because hell is described as eternal darkness. So God is bringing three days of darkness to the people of Egypt. He's giving them a taste of what hell is like. He's giving them a taste of what hell is like, darkness. And these three days, when we see three days in the Bible, what do you think of? Right, Jesus. Right, it points right to Jesus. It points to his death and resurrection and what he accomplished for us on the cross, which was judgment. He was judged for us on the cross. And Jesus endured three hours of darkness. On the cross. These are some amazing parallels that we're seeing here. Three hours of darkness on the cross. The whole world was darkened because the light of the world was being punished by God the Father for our sins. How could there be light in the world when the light of the world, Jesus, is being punished on the cross? It just makes sense that there would be no light. And people try to say, oh, it was an eclipse and we had the eclipse recently. That's not what it was. There's no record of an eclipse on that day. It was supernatural, the light of the world being snuffed out as punishment on sin. The cross is where Jesus was judged for sin in the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. And it was also the most brutal pouring out of wrath and anger the universe has ever known. God poured out all of his righteous anger on his beloved son. No temperature could ever measure the heat of the anger Jesus felt. No words could ever describe the pain that was inflicted on him and the pain that he felt. No man will ever know the horrors that Jesus endured in silence on the cross for his beloved bride's sins. Praise Jesus. 
Amen? Amen. And you and I are the bride of Christ, the object of His love, the reason why He had the joy set before Him and He endured the cross. You are that joy. And we enter into this loving covenant with Jesus as we accept what he did on the cross as being for us and we believe it was sufficient for our sins to take our sins away. We repent of our sins. That's how we enter into this loving relationship with Jesus. And then we walk in this newness of life that he promises and he's faithful to pour into us every single day, and that's called grace. Those three aspects where we acknowledge what he did, we receive what he did, and then we walk in what he did for us. Well, if we were to look at Ephesians 5, 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. He says, you were once darkness. You know exactly how the people in Egypt felt during these three days. You know exactly. You know exactly how they felt. You might be feeling it right now. He says, you were darkness. But when we believe the gospel, when we surrender to his leading, Sorry, surrendering to his leading is the only option for living. Once you become a Christian, the only real way to go is by following the Lord after that. If you reject the Lord after that, you're not a Christian. We were once darkness. That was our identity, he says. He doesn't say, you once walked in darkness you were really a good person, but darkness was just all around you and it was really confusing and it was really tough to get out of. No, he said you were darkness. It was your very identity. That is what the lost condition of the soul is, is darkness. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we are made alive and our very identity changes and we are born again. And that old identity of darkness doesn't go away fully until we die. So we live with both of these identities. Both of these natures, we have the darkness and we have the light. So we have to actively put to death daily in our hearts the darkness. We have to cast out the darkness daily by surrendering to Jesus, walking in his light. We must continually murder the dark way of living that dwells in our hearts. Yes, your pastor told you to murder something. The way of living where, we ha- where it's dependent on self, where it's darkness, abandoned by God, separated from God, not needing God, that way of life needs to go. It's easier than it sounds, uh, and it's harder than it sounds also. It's easier because it looks just like walking as a child. That's not hard. And we have tons of kids here, and they're always bumping into things, and they don't walk very well at all. They are quite uncoordinated, actually. And Jesus says, we have to look like a child in our faith. That's how easy it is to put to death self-confidence. It's just, hey, I'm just a child. I just trust in the Lord. 
We learn to let go of controlling things. We learn to let go of independence. And we learn, like a child, to humbly call upon the Lord Jesus and depend on him for absolutely everything. Who struggles with trying to control things too much? Amen. We think that will help our life. But the truth is, it keeps us from walking as a child, trusting in the Lord for everything. But it's also harder than it sounds because it's like killing a part of our very nature. We love our independence. We're growing up in America. We have an entire day to celebrate our independence. And we love ourselves. We love ourselves. We cherish ourselves. Tim Keller had a great quote on Twitter this week. It said, if you want Jesus with you, you have to give up your right to self-determination. You don't get to decide what you do with your life, right? 11 years old, God's like, you're going to Ireland. God also says, you don't get to pick what you do when you get home from work. You have to love your wife, serve your family, and serve me. Where's my time? You don't get time. You get to serve me. And I will reward you by giving you life and joy and peace and life abundantly. But you don't get to pick how you live your life. I don't like coming to this church. I know. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, though. <laughs> it can't control. That's right. See, our relationship with sin is so deeply ingrained in our being that it feels like we're suffocating our very hearts when we deny these desires and seek the Lord instead. Man, we love ourselves so much. We love ourselves so much. And to deny ourselves, it feels like we're putting our hands on our throats and choking ourselves out. That's what it feels like. So it's easy because it's walking like a child, but it's hard because it feels like death. In fact, Jesus said, pick up your cross, death, and follow me, life. Well, going back to our verse in Ephesians, it says, For you were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So we have this daily choice and responsibility to walk in our new identity of light. And this is not an option for us. We have to do it every day. We believe that God has changed us. That happened by faith. That we no longer are held by darkness. And in that belief, we are now free. And he has been faithful. He didn't lie. We are free. So why do we still struggle with sin? Well, because we, we say we believe it, and we may fully believe it in our minds, but our hearts are separated from our minds by 18 inches, and sometimes by miles when it comes to what they believe. Our minds can believe, Jesus has set me free, I believe it, but our hearts are like, yeah, but I don't really know. I kind of doubt that. I mean, you don't know how much I love myself. I love sin. I love control. I love safety. And... Our hearts are desperately wicked. And we have to daily walk in the light for our hearts to slowly change. It doesn't happen overnight in our hearts. Our mind does make decisions, and you can make decisions instantly. I will believe that. But our hearts 
take time to follow. And God knows that. He knows that, and he's patient with you. That's what walking in the light is, is taking the time daily to look at his promises and let them go from the heart, or from the mind, and migrate down to the heart through prayer, through submission and surrender to what we know to be true. Making decisions based on faith is what we're talking about. Faith that God will change your nature. He will change your heart. Faith that God will change who you are. That's what the faith is. That's what walking in the light is. Let's take an example. Forgiveness. Everyone's favorite thing to do. In the light, God grants me the ability to forgive anything and anyone. He says, forgiveness is according to my will. So if you want to forgive, I will equip you and enable you every time to forgive anything, no questions asked, by the power of my Holy Spirit. That's the truth we have in the Word of God. Any argument? No? Okay. You're not going to like this. To walk in that, I need to declare my forgiveness and purpose in my heart to obey Jesus by faith, not because I feel like it. See, God doesn't change your feelings. Not because even I know it's the right thing to do. That doesn't work either. Because reason doesn't change our feelings either. It's only by faith that our feelings can be conquered, that our feelings can be changed. Only by faith that, that God is honored by me forgiving and that my depending on him to carry through, uh, he will equip me to forgive. He will enable me. He will make me sufficient through the life of Jesus that I access by faith. I know that was kind of complicated, but it's, it's simply I'm trusting him, and it has to be by trust. It can't be because I feel like forgiving, because honestly, I don't feel like forgiving. If, if we felt like forgiving, that would be weird, just honestly. But I believe he lives in me by his grace, by faith, and therefore, he will enable me by that same grace and faith to do all his will. It's by faith. If you would look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll see again how this happens. And again, the darkness in us says, I don't need to forgive, or I don't feel like forgiving. It can give us all kinds of feelings. Darkness the word was groping darkness. It's darkness that is, is all about feeling. If you are living by how you feel, you are living in darkness today. I don't feel like loving my wife. I'm sorry. You're still going to have to love your wife. But you don't know what she does to me. But you don't know how she acts. I don't care. God says forgive and love. That's his command. That's how to walk in the light. But I don't feel like doing that. And if I don't feel like doing that, then it's insincere. Really? Because I thought it would be faith for you to do what God said. 
even if you don't feel like it, that is faith. And your sincerity is in sincerity of faith, saying, God, I don't feel like doing this, but I trust you that it's right and that you will enable me. And so in that trust, I obey you. And that's where freedom is found, and that's what we're talking about here. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. What's he referencing? Creation, right? Where it was dark, and he said, let there be light, and it was lit. (laughs) So, (laughs) that was terrible. That was so millennial of me. You got it, though. That was cool. Sorry, that was really bad. Okay. (laughs) I know you're hashtagging that all over the place right now. Anyway. For as God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our what? Our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this, this lifestyle of walking the light is crazy because it doesn't make sense to the natural mind because our natural mind is darkness. And so it requires us to depend on a total miracle every day, just like the miracle of God saying, let there be light, and magically, it was light. That's a miracle. It, it, there's no, it doesn't make sense except God's word says it, and it happened. And that's the kind of God trust we need to have every day that will happen in our hearts. God, if God doesn't supernaturally supply our light every single day, then we are sunk. That's what living by faith means. You have to trust in God. But what if he doesn't come through? That's doubt and that's not faith. So you're saying I can't live with any doubt. I have to blindly trust in God. Yes. Yes. Trust in God. But I don't feel like he's going to come through for me. Your feelings are lying to you. That is not the truth. Well, you're mean to say my feelings. How do you know my feelings are saying to me? Because they're contradicting the word of God, and the word of God is true, so your feelings suck. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Pastor said my feelings. <laughs> it says, Jesus, God, has shone in our hearts. That means he shined his supernatural light in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. This life of trusting in God grows out of intimate connection and relationship with who? Jesus. Intimacy is like that face-to-face conversation with Jesus. If you think your Christianity is about going to church, you're wrong and you're not yet there. It's about a face-to-face connection and conversation with Jesus every day. And it feels weird. It doesn't feel normal because we're Americans and we guard ourselves and we like our personal space. We don't like being face-to-face and connecting really close. You know, your, your kids have limited face-touching rights. You know, they can come and they can mess with your face a little bit, but then you're like, okay, back away. At least I do. <laughs> your friends have no face-touching rights. You know, they're, they don't, they're not allowed to come and just touch your face. Your wife has unlimited face-touching rights. She can touch your face as much as she wants. Which is crazy. But because your wife is in an intimate relationship with you, that feels fine. It's okay. You, 
you like that. It's enjoyable. And that's how our relationship with Christ is designed to be, face to face. In the book of Revelation, it says that he, he will take us, he will hold our face, and he will wipe away your tears with his hands. I mean, that is something that's like way too close for comfort for men, right? Get away from me. That's why we have BO. It keeps people further away. No. But what we're saying is this life, it, it springs up out of close intimacy with God, or with Jesus. We're, we're not going to be able to walk out of the darkness and into the light if you refuse to draw near to the Lord. How, does someone, how do you guys draw near to the Lord? What? Prayer? Okay. What else? Reading the Word of God. What else? What? Worship. That's good. Meditation. Serving others, right? Connecting. That's another time we can draw near to the face of Jesus is when you know, we look at Norm's ugly face. We love him. And we, we minister to him and we let him minister to us. That is also connecting with the face of Jesus. You know? So thank you, Norm, for being used by God in that way. Thanks for being a great illustration for me. We love Norm, right? You guys love Norm? We love you. Okay. Um, so always growing more comfortable with Jesus, always growing to trust him more, always letting go a little more of our need to control things. This is how we learn to walk in his light, trusting him, letting him control. Father, I, I don't know what I'm going to do today, so I'm going to have to seek your word to hear directions from you so I can give my wife what we're going to do today so I can know what I'm going to do today. I have all these responsibilities are you, can I trust you to feed me in the morning what I need? That heart is what God wants to see. Yes, I am faithful to give what you need each morning. Okay, so we're always moving from dark to light. Every day you wake up dark and you need to move into light because our natural state is darkness. Don't forget that. It doesn't go away until you die. You have the natural darkness where I do things the way I think and I'm basically naturally rebellious against God. And we have to move into the light, morning by morning by morning. But have we ever felt like we were still in the dark? Man, you're reading the word, you're, you're seeking the Lord, but you feel still stuck in the dark? Anyone ever feel that? Yes. Okay. Depression, discouragement, despondency, darkness of the soul is what we're going to put all that in a basket called darkness of the soul. Darkness. Okay. And it can be felt. And your feelings are very strongly connected with it. I'm going to read you guys um, an article from 2007 about Mother Teresa. You guys know who Mother Teresa was? Anyone not know who Mother Teresa was? She was a Catholic missionary uh, to India. And she started uh, working in India. And she started working with the poorest of the poor in India. And became very famous for the work that she did in India. Okay. So we're going to read an article called Mother Teresa Did Not Feel Christ's Presence for the Last Half of Her Life, Letters Reveal. Now, I want to make a preference before I read this article. Preface, preference, preface. I make no judgment on whether she was a true believer or not. I can't make that judgment uh, from this. We are considering the struggle that she endured right now. That's what we're talking about right now. And we're going to apply biblical truth you, uh, for our own benefit from this story. So I'm not reading the story to tell you she was a believer 
and you can live like this, or I'm not reading the story to tell you she wasn't a believer, and so this is because she deserved it. I'm not saying either one of those things. We're simply taking what she experienced, and we're going to apply it into our lives, okay? So Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who has been put on the fast track to sainthood, was sort so tormented by doubts about her faith that she felt like, quote, a hypocrite. It has emerged from a book of her letters to friends and confessors. Shortly after beginning her work in the slums of Calcutta, she wrote, where is my faith? Have you guys ever thought that? Even deep down, there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. If there be a God, please forgive me. Those are her words. Have you guys ever said those words? In letters eight years later, she was still expressing such deep longing for God, admitting that she felt repulsed, empty, no faith, no love, no zeal. This is while she's working among the poor. Her smile to the world um, of her uh, weather-beaten face was a mask or a cloak, she said. What do I labor for? If there be no God, there can be no soul. If there be no soul, then Jesus, you are not true, are her words. Mother Teresa died in 1997. She felt abandoned by God. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? From the very start of the work that made her a global figure. In her sandals and blue and white sari, the doubts persisted until her death. Doubts. The nun's crisis of faith was revealed four years ago by Reverend, can't say his name, Kolodichilakechik, in October 2003. Now, he, he has compiled a new edition of her letters entitled, entitled Mother Teresa, Come, by, Come Be My Light, which reveals the full extent of her long darkness of the soul, is what they called it. I am told God lives in me, yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great, nothing touches my soul. Can you identify with those feelings? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. She wrote at one point, I want God with all the power of my soul, and yet between us there is a terrible separation. On another occasion she wrote, I feel just that terrible pain of loss of God not wanting me. Pain, loss, God not wanting me. Of God not being God. Of God not really existing. In one letter written to a spiritual advisor, shortly before she received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979, she wrote, Jesus has this very special love for you. As for me, the silence and emptiness is so great that I look and I do not see, listen and do not hear. The tongue moves, but I do not speak. Wow. Now, she's either very honest and humble, or she is very lost. I can't decide which one it is. I'm not here to decide which one it is, but I am here to ask you, have you ever felt the type of doubt and darkness that she's describing? If you haven't yet, you might in the future. So this is for you. We're going to talk about something very serious, very important. Most important thing we've talked about today. 
I know some of you have, and I know some of you are feeling them right now. I also know that Jesus felt this way at one time as well. During his three hours of darkness. Remember, I want you to remember right now, Jesus' three hours of darkness. Again, darkness in the Bible speaks of separation from God, the judgment of God, being abandoned by God, being darkness. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So on the cross, Jesus was made to be sin incarnate, the most rebellious entity in the history of the world. In fact, all of our rebelliousness, all of our sin was placed in Jesus. And so when God the Father looked at his son, he saw nothing but rebellious sin and his wrath fell upon him. Because in Habakkuk 1.3, it says, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil. You cannot look on wickedness. God had to turn his face of mercy and love away from Jesus so that he could pour out infinite wrath confined in three hours upon Jesus. Talk about feeling abandoned. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus knew his father would not even look at him on the cross, but would only pour out wrath. And I'm telling you right now, when you feel abandoned, you are supposing he isn't looking at you. You are guessing. You feel like he isn't looking at you. We feel like it, but it's not true. We feel like we're abandoned. We feel like he's angry at us. We feel like he doesn't love us because we're hurting. But the truth is, there is only one person God has ever abandoned, and that was Jesus Christ, his son, so that he would never abandon you, so that you can know that he would never turn his back on you, but he would always be there. And even if he's silent, you can know and you can stand on that he would always be there and he will not turn his back on you because... He did it to Jesus. But we still feel that way. And when we feel that way, I want you to memorize this. Turn to Psalm 88. Okay, you need to go to Psalm 88 whenever you feel abandoned and discouraged and you feel like you're in the darkness of the soul. God wants you in the light. He wants you in the light today. And Psalm 88 is one way that we can get back in the light when we're in the darkness. And if you know Psalm 88, you're thinking, you are crazy. Because Psalm 88 is literally the most depressing psalm in the entire world. It's the most depressing. Usually a psalm will have a little bit of a happy ending. Like, oh, things are so bad, but I know you're good, Lord. Okay, but here in Psalm 88, there is literally no happy ending. So why would it be? Well, let's see. Let's look and find out. <clears throat> psalm 88 is what we need to turn to when we are in darkness. He says, oh, Lord... God of my salvation. And by the way, this, this psalm was written by He-Man. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's really his name, He-Man. 
O Lord, my God and my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted to those who go down to the pits like a man who has no strength. Think, look at all these things that we're seeing. No strength, you're tired. Anyone ever complain of being tired? Okay, Psalm 88 is where we need to go. Anyone feel like you've cried out before God, but nothing's coming back? This is the psalm for you. Anyone feel like your soul is full of troubles, like you're, you're about to die, you draw near to the grave? This psalm's for you. Anyone feel adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more? God, you've forgotten me. That's what I feel like. That's what the psalm's saying. This is how I feel, God. This is how I feel, who you remember no more and are cut off from your hand. You're not helping me, God. I'm alone. I feel weak, empty, helpless. You have laid me in the lowest pit in darkness. Yeah, that's the word. In depths, your wrath lies heavy upon me. You know, I think you're angry with me, God. And you have afflicted me with all your waves. You know what? I'm blaming you. This, all this difficulty in my life is probably a little bit your fault, God. That's how this guy feels. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. No one's helping me. You have made me an abomination. I am shut up and I cannot get out. Like the Egyptians in their house in the darkness, they can't even get up. They're stuck. They're trapped. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Are you just going to let me die, God? That's the thoughts here. That's what's going on. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of the destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark? There it is again. As your righteousness and your righteousness in the land of the living. But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you, Lord. Why do you cast off my soul? He's questioning, God, have you cast off my soul? It really feels like you've abandoned me, God. Why do you hide your face from me? It feels like you're hiding your face, like you're not looking at me. I've been afflicted and ready to die for my youth. I suffer your terrors. I'm distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend, you have put far, far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Why do, we feel, why do we read this psalm when we feel this way, when we feel darkness? Because... It's true, but it's not true for us. This psalm is not true for you, but it is true for Jesus. This is a messianic psalm. This psalm is only completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In other words, all the things that you feel all the things that lined up with this psalm are not true for you, but they were true for Jesus. Jesus was overcome by the terrors of death. Jesus was abandoned by God. Jesus did have God shut his face to him, and, and he had no friends that could help him. He had nothing but God's wrath at the end. We read this psalm because it devastates our hearts. It shows our hearts that what we're believing and what we're doubting and what we're feeling 
is only true in Jesus Christ. He is the one, only one cut off by God. He is the only one who God is silent at his cries. God will never be silent at your cries. God will never turn his back upon you. God has heard every one of our cries for deliverance, and he answered each and every one of those cries by sending Jesus to the cross and denying his cries for deliverance so that he could answer your cries for deliverance. Because all our cries can be summed up in this one thing, save me, God, and God's like, okay. Here's Jesus on the cross for you. But to answer our cries, he had to ignore the cries of his beloved son. When Jesus was saying, my God, my Father, why have you abandoned me? God is saying, yes, I have abandoned you because I love them. And because you love them, you're obedient to me as well. He said in that psalm, but to you I have cried out, O Lord, and, in my, and my prayer comes before you. Why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? These are the words of Jesus. Not me. Jesus. They're only true in Jesus. Even though this psalm is full of despair, it fills our hearts with a new level of hope because when we add Jesus to the mix, it changes everything. God turned his back on Jesus, so he never turned his back on you. Whatever silence you feel, it is not God abandoning you. He would never turn his back on you. You are a child of the light and not a child of darkness. Even though you feel like it's dark, it is not. You are light in him, and the way out is faith in him. End of story. Feelings are strong, but feelings can lie. Only God is stronger than our hearts, and he can overcome our feelings with his truth if we give him the time and space to do so. By entering into his presence by faith, believing his word by faith, that's how we can have feelings conquered. Our feelings are not the enemy either. You might think, I'm, you know, are you telling me I need to just stop? the way I feel? No, your feelings just don't matter. They're not the enemy. I'm not here to change them. You can feel abandoned all you want as long as you recognize the truth that you're not abandoned and you believe the truth that God would never turn his back on you. You can feel however you want. Your feelings will follow your faith in time. In time. You guys getting this? All right. Amen. <sighs> feelings are not the enemy, but dealing with them is a um, apart from the truth of Jesus Christ is the main problem in all of us. We, we look at our feelings and we want to deal with our feelings first before we deal with truth and the word of God. You feel alone? You're not! Ever alone. He is always with you. That's what the word of God says. Do you believe it or not? You feel rejected? You aren't! You're not rejected. He accepts you in his beloved son by faith. You feel unloved? He has loved you with an everlasting love. That's the truth. Your feeling has just lied to you. You feel darkness? He says you are light. There is no darkness that can overcome you in Christ. You feel forgotten? It says he remembers you always. You feel like you've been faithful, yet he doesn't care? The Bible says he 
counts your faith, he remembers your faith, he rewards your faith, and all your tears he stores in a bottle. That's the truth. You feel like death, he says you're alive. You feel trapped, he says you are free. Any other feelings that get in our way? I bet you the Bible has a verse giving you the opposite truth in the Lord. Which are you going to walk forward in today? Faith in God's word, or are you going to walk forward in your feelings? Look back at our verse in Ephesians, and we're going to see a cool connection to the plague of darkness, and we are done right here. Thank you guys for being so tough and enduring with me. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And he says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay, darkness and walking in darkness is something we should have no fellowship in. Fellowship is something you choose to hang out with. I choose to let my feelings run my day sometimes. I feel abandoned, so I'm going to choose to wallow in my, I feel bad today. You guys do that too? I feel moody. Right? He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Say, you know what? I feel like crud today. Jesus, I feel like crud, but I believe you have made me new and your life is in me, and so I'm going to step forward in that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise you all day. Isn't that different? And that's living by faith. That's your, yes, you'll be called a wacko, crazy Christian I don't care. Join the train. This is what we are. Oh, but you're just ignoring feelings. Yes, because they're lying. I ignore liars. I stand on truth. Your feelings are not valid when it comes to when they disagree with truth. We have to silence them. All right, so he says, have no, sh- no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things are exposed and made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. This is how we just wake up and we have this new life in Christ where we say, I'm going to walk in you, I'm going to trust in you, and what am I trusting in? That he is going to make me alive. And so I'm going to give thanks and I'm going to praise him. I'm going to do all the good works that I hear about in the Bible in faith in him, not how I feel. Because how many times do I feel like not serving the Lord? All the time. But I can't do that. He says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, rise from the dead and Jesus will give you light. These terms are connected with the new covenant. Rise is resurrection. Jesus was raised like we are raised in new life, or we are raised in new life by the same mighty power that raised him from the dead. Uh, that's the mighty working of grace. Okay, back to Exodus. We're going to finish up. We're going to read the last few verses and see it's exactly what happens with Moses and, and Pharaoh, and they're going to have no more of the unfruitful fellowship of darkness. It's crazy. Walk. It says, verse 24, Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and herds be kept back. He's still trying 
to, to control, and he's still trying to keep them captive. And, uh, but Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock shall also go with us, and not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. For even we do not know what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let him go. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more, for, you will, for in the day that you see my face, you will die. So Moses said, right on, brother. You have spoken well. I am never going to see your face again. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Isn't that cool? It blows my mind. Pharaoh always represents the rebellious heart that always wants to do its own thing and will never submit to God as king. And Moses is in the light. Literally, he had light at this point. Pharaoh was in darkness. And it just shows that walking in the light is walking away from our selfish rebellion and our feelings that come along with that. And light is given to those children of God who humbly ask him for new life in Jesus every day. Done. We're good. Praise the Lord. Next week, we get, so that was the ninth plague. Next week, we get to the tenth plague, which is the Passover. And it is going to absolutely rock your world. Bring it some tissues, because it's going to be good. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you in humility for um, giving us truth for, for which we can base our faith on. And uh, Lord, we want to ask that you would help us to see your truth uh, Lord, thank you for our feelings. Lord, we, we have a hard time understanding why we have them all. But Lord, it's, it's according to your perfect design. And I thank you that when we have all these feelings, Lord, we feel weak. We sense our need for change and for something real. And I pray that you would, be the, you would satisfy each of those needs, that you would create in us uh, a trust deep down in our hearts that you will meet every single one of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray, and we depend and trust in you alone. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We will see you soon.